Hello, and welcome to the Villains and Monsters podcast, where true crime meets thrilling fiction and dark minds come together to talk about all things sinister and psychotic. I'm Cassie Sharp, suspense and thriller author and your host. Hello, welcome to episode six of Villains and Monsters, or what I like to call for the time being, the Where the Shadow Lies audio cast, episode six, part six. And today we will be hearing chapters 11 and 12. So uh, I just wanted to say a few things um, about the story and what you're going to hear today a little bit. And then um, a, a theme just to kind of keep in the back of your mind as we go through this book. So, uh, you're going to hear chapters 11 and 12 today. Chapter 11 was one of my favorite chapters to write. Um, both chapters 11 and 12 are going to be from Jason's point of view. And, um, I think you're going to understand why pretty much all of my favorite chapters to write were from Jason's point of view, but we'll talk more about that anyway. Um, kind of a talking point, just something, um, that I want you to kind of keep in mind as you go through this story. And that is the very general, um, kind of cliche, but, uh, a relevant topic of nature versus nurture. Um, it does come up more than once in this book and I don't, uh, put my thoughts into it as much as I allow the characters to kind of teeter back and forth between this balance of nature and nurture, uh, turning us into who we are. And, um, it's not all in one way or the other, and it doesn't stay in any one way or the other for a significant amount of time. So I, my questions are, what are your thoughts about this? Um, Many people are strongly one way or the other, hence the reason that the word versus is in the middle of nature and nurture. Um, but do you think that both can be reasonable? Um, I, I think that maybe we are a mixture of nature and nurture, but it's just something to think about and keep in the back of your mind as you're reading the story. Um, Real quick, I wanted to tell you guys something, um, kind of apologize for the background noise. There's been a couple of mic, like it sounds like the mic gets hit or it skips a little bit. Um, I was not prepared to do this podcast at this time this year. Uh, I had planned to start this podcast in the fall, but because of COVID-19, because so many people are out of work, uh, lost their jobs. Um, I am not currently working at the moment. So, uh, because I had the time and because everybody's strapped for cash right now. And when you're at home, you want to consume some sort of art. So I just wanted to make my books available in the audio format because they're not currently an audiobook right now. And I wouldn't be able to get that done in time and for free to my readers in any other way, but recording it myself. So I decided to kind of jump in the pool, 
not a hundred percent prepared. So I don't have like a sound booth. Um, I don't have the greatest mic. I don't have upgraded equipment. Um, and my house has very thin walls. Um, so you've probably heard my kid playing Fortnite upstairs, probably yelling at poor some seven year old who my asshole kid probably thinks sucks at Fortnite. So if you've heard that, I am sorry. If you've heard my dog snoring, which you probably have, I am sorry. Sometimes he does not allow me to do things by myself. He is, his name is Bane. He's a chocolate lab. He's about four years old. And some days his name is Shadow Bane because he literally shadows me all day long. So um, anyway, if you hear him, you hear cars passing by, lawnmowers, telling you my walls are paper fucking thin. Um, I am sorry that it is not as professional as it could be. Um, but I just, I felt strongly that, um, it would be great if my readers could be able to consume my art, my work, my books, uh, in an audio format because a lot of people prefer it and I understand. Um, so anyway, I record with fans on in my room to kind of drown out the background noise, hoping that, you know, you don't hear my son uh, saying things like you're a bot, which I don't even know what the fuck that means, um, that it doesn't drown everything out. So I am sorry. Uh, bear with me as time goes by. Um, I will upgrade my equipment, upgrade uh, my area of recording and by the time this is actually the podcast it's supposed to be, Villains and Monsters, where true crime meets cr uh, thrilling fiction, it should be all professional, ready to go. So anyway, I just wanted to say that real quickly. And thank you for hanging out with me and bearing with me and listening to my crazy ass voices. Um, so let's do a quick recap of chapters nine and ten uh, that we had last episode. Chapter nine was Jail's point of view. Um, Jail was making dinner for Xander and then Stevie shows up and Stevie is just fucking ridiculous. And um, anyway, um, she has ridiculous accusations for Jail and it pisses Jail off. And then she's in this terrible mood when Xander finally does show up. Um, and she's nervous and she's not used to having men in her home. She's not sure what she's supposed to do. She's very insecure at this point. She goes to fill up a wine glass and then Xander's there. And then we're like, what the fuck is up with her skin? Um, and JL's uncomfortable and he leaves promising to continue to look after Jason. So that was kind of like a very awkward situation. Um, and you saw kind of how JL reacts to different areas of conflict, um, even self-conflict. So then we had chapter 10, which is Xander's point of view. Um, he was struggling with his attraction to JL while he's lying to her. That's causing a lot of guilt in him um, to, on the one hand, really want to get to know this woman and very intrigued by her. And then on the other hand, he's lying to her. So he thinks he doesn't even deserve to um, see her in the light of anything other than a, you know, a business relationship. Um, 
so Xander takes her to meet Gran, and you guys meet Gran, and motherfucking Meat Muffin, which I'm going to get a shirt, and it's going to have, like, the word meat, and then a muffin below it. And, um, yeah, that's going to be March to come. It's going to be fucking awesome. Anyway, Gran is a trip, and her personality, um, it makes JL a little bit uncomfortable, and she leaves and tells Xander to take her home, and she's not in a good place when he drops her off. So, right. Let's get on to chapters 11 and 12. Chapter 11. Practice had been exceptionally torturous this evening in preparation for the big game at the end of the week. Sleep was still eluding Jason most nights, making his exhaustion a black cloud of oppression that incessantly weighed him down. Jason hung his keys on the rack next to his front door. He would be afraid of falling asleep behind the wheel if it weren't for the paranoia. It was a rather new development in the shitstorm that had become his life. The unsettling sensation of being watched had started not long after his argument with Emily at the coffee shop and progressed into a constant urge to look over his shoulder. He'd come to the conclusion he was either losing his mind or Jacob Denton was fucking with him. He actually hoped it was the latter. If Denton was finally willing to face him man to man, he'd be ready. Jason stripped out of his clothes and turned on the shower to the hottest setting, catching a glimpse of himself in the full-length mirror on the bathroom door. His bloodshot eyes were sunken and ringed in dark purple, his skin ashen and lifeless. He hadn't ever allowed stress to get to him this way and couldn't understand why it was plaguing him with this much intensity now. As the water pelted his sore muscles, Jason wished there was an equally easy remedy for his sickened mind. He heard his cell phone ringing in the living room as he dried off. It was probably mom calling to check on him again. He'd canceled on their dinner last night and she'd called him multiple times since. He'd sent them all to voicemail. He didn't want her to see him in this state. Didn't want to answer the questions she would have if she heard the dejection in his voice. Mostly, he didn't want her to worry about him. That was the last thing she needed to deal with. The phone stopped ringing before he left the bathroom. She'll be okay. Jason inched his way to his bedroom, his head weighed down by his thoughts. The bedroom door was closed. He backed away, looking left and right down the hall. He never shut his door, ever. Deep breath. Probably just the house shifting. Deep breath. I'm fucking losing it. Deep breath. Don't be such a pussy. Jason stepped forward and turned the knob. He swung the door open as hard as he could and stopped dead in the doorway. Someone's been here. His comforter was ruffled and his pillows were indented as though someone had lain on top of them. He scrambled to the nightstand and reached for the drawer. The squeak made it, it made as it slid open seemed to echo throughout his home. He glanced around the room while reaching his hand inside. The switchblade would have to do for a weapon. He picked it up, engaging the blade while walking to his closet. Standing to the side, he opened the door and flipped on the light. Everything seemed in place. Here. 
His clothes hung neatly and in their proper order, according to color. Jason closed the door and turned off the light. He checked under his bed, clear. He tiptoed out of his room into the hallway. Next, he opened the hall closet. The vacuum broom and dustpan and his toolbox all looked untouched. He closed the door and moved on to the spare bedroom, of which the only inhabitant was his weight bench. Finding no sign of tampering, he ventured to the kitchen. It was on the other side of the room, but he noticed it immediately. The only adornment he kept on his fridge was a picture of him and mom on the day of his high school graduation. It was turned upside down. What the fuck? Slow steps and shifty eyes took him to the fridge. His body shook as he righted the photograph. His knuckles strained from the hold he had on his knife. After a quick sweep of the rest of the house, Jason loosened his grip on his blade. Whoever had been here was gone. Mom! The thought hit him hard and fast. He ran to get his phone and started dialing. She'd been calling him all day. The person who'd broken into his home could have... Hello? Mom? Thank God. You've reached JL. I can't get to my phone at the moment, but leave a message and there's a slight chance I might listen to them sometime this year. He ended the call and redialed. Voicemail again. Jason ran to his room and tore open the closet. He was fully clothed in seconds and making his way down the hallway to leave. If mom was okay, she would be at home. Unless she was with Xander. Xander! He dialed Xander's number, but it went directly to voicemail. The phone fell from his hands onto the living room floor. He fumbled around on the carpet for it, but his fingers were slick from sweat. Rap, rap, rap. Jason's breath hitched in his throat. He snapped his head up. The front door was locked. He felt around in his jean pockets. Where was it? Rap, 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 rap. The front door shook with a knock. He darted his eyes all around. Living room? No. Dining table? No. Kitchen? No. Fuck. He just had it. Where did it go? Bedroom. Jason took off in a sprint for the switchblade. By the time he made it back to the living room, his weapon was poised to fulfill its purpose in his shaky fist. Rap. Rap. If it were possible for a knock to have a tone, the last two seemed feeble, and that gave him pause. Who is it? He called out. It's me. Jason unlocked and opened the door. Have you heard from my mom recently? What? Have you seen my mom today or talked to her? His voice was a tremor of anxiety. Xander's eyes sharpened with concern. No. Fuck. What's going on? Someone broke into my house. Mom's been trying to reach me all day, but I haven't answered. Now she's not answering. He was out of breath by the time he finished speaking. Xander walked through the doorway, past Jason, and scanned the living room. Someone broke in? What did they do? As far as I can tell, they laid in my bed and messed around with one of my pictures. Xander had begun to pace around the room. He stopped at Jason's entertainment center, inspecting the big screen TV, stereo, and games system below. Nothing was taken? Not that I've noticed. Hmm. A muscle ticked in Jason's jaw. What? It was likely not a random break-in or burglary. Xander turned around, rubbing a hand over his face. It was personal. What the fuck does that mean? Xander held up a finger. He put his phone to his ear and waited as it rang. She's not answering me either. Jason snatched his keys off the hook and started slipping on his sneakers. We'll take my truck, Xander demanded. Why? 
because you aren't thinking clearly right now. Jason narrowed his eyes. Why are you so calm? The man was dating mom. Why wouldn't he more worried? We don't know anything right now, Jason. Sanders' placating tone went nowhere in its attempt to soothe Jason. I know someone's been in my home and that no windows or locks are broken. I know someone was in my fucking bed and they messed with the picture of me and mom. I also know she's the only other person in the world with a key to this place. She's been calling me all day, but left no messages. I called her multiple times and she hasn't responded. That's not like her, Xander. There've been maybe two times in my life that my mom didn't answer her phone the first time I called or called me back seconds later if she didn't. You can downplay this all this shit all you want to, man, but nothing about it feels right. Xander nodded. I get it. You should stay, though, in case she comes here. I'll run and check her house. Nope. I'll leave her a note here, but I'm coming with you. Jason's voice was irrevocable. Jason's stomach churned with worry as they drove to mom's house in what seemed like a race with the setting sun. Sander had managed to cut a 30-minute trek in half, only a few miles more. When was the last time you talked to her? Jason asked as he spit out another fingernail. Sander had one hand on the wheel while he rested the other on the armrest. He glanced at Jason. We went to visit my grandmother yesterday. Dropped her off at home in the afternoon. And? And what? What aren't you telling me? Jason watched as Xander gripped the steering wheel and sat up straighter in his seat. She wasn't in the best mood when I dropped her off. I, I've texted her, but she hasn't responded. Did you guys get in a fight? What did you do? No, wasn't like that. She just, she kind of clammed up on me at my grand's and she seemed upset. In what way? In a shaky, maniacal laughter way? She just got distant, you know, reserved. Sander made a left turn onto her street. Jason unbuckled. When her driveway came into view, Jason wasn't sure what he felt at the sight of her car parked there. If she was home, why wasn't she answering the phone? He blew out a shaky breath and attempted to swallow through the parched flesh of his throat. Sander put the truck in park behind Mom's car. I'll go in first. You stay behind me, all right? Why? Xander reached under his seat and pulled out his weapon. I have a gun. He pointed to the switchblade clutched in Jason's right hand. You have a knife. Their eyes met. Xander determined. Jason's, listen to me. I know you're scared right now and you've got reason to be. He grabbed the magazine from beneath his seat and loaded it into the handgun. It clicked into place. This is not the first time I've been in this sort of situation, so I need you to follow my lead. Jason managed a weak, trembling nod. Goosebumps prickled on his arms as they stalked up the driveway to his childhood home. It was not yet fully dark outside, but with no porch light nor any illumination shining through the windows, it felt as though the entire house was shrouded in sinister shadows. He tried to be as silent and stealthy as Xander. He couldn't help but notice how smooth Xander's movements were, how practiced they looked. He supposed a man in his line of work had likely done his fair share of sneaking, but Sander was straight professional with it, as though it had been ingrained in his nature. Jason had no idea if he was doing a good job because he couldn't hear anything over the sound of his fast, jerky breaths. He, there was a black haze around his window of vision. As his heart threatened to beat right out of his chest, 
Jason couldn't shake the surreality of the situation. It felt dreamlike, a dream of terror. Xander's lips were moving, but Jason couldn't hear him. He took in a gulp of air and held his breath. It's unlocked. Xander's voice was so low, Jason wasn't sure if he'd actually heard the words or he just read Xander's lips. Unlocked. She never. Xander turned the knob, holding a finger to his lips for silence. Jason nodded. Quiet, lungs, quiet. The creak of the door hinge made Jason jump. Xander moved in a semi-crouched lurk through the entrance. He peered around corners before entering rooms and hallways. Jason followed awkwardly. His ears were acutely linked to every groan of the floorboards, to the clinking of all the objects he bumped into as he stumbled around in the dark. Xander paused at the base of the staircase that led to the second floor. He leaned in close to Jason's ear. I don't think there's anybody down here. We're going to walk up those stairs very slowly. I am going to face forward and look up toward the upper floor. I want you to keep your back to mine and watch behind us as we go, okay? Nod. Got it. By the time they made it up the stairs, Jason's hands were drenched in sweat. The blade was slippery in his palm and the adrenaline that had been pumping through him since he'd gotten home this evening was beginning to make him clumsy. He didn't know how much more of this he could handle. They tiptoed toward mom's room first. Both glued to the wall at their backs, Sander was first to reach it. The anxiety of the unknown crippled Jason as Sander peeked in her room before entering. Jason quickly followed. He gazed around the dark room but found no sign of her. He walked to her bed, empty. He inched toward her chest. Jason, Sander whispered. Jason turned. Sander stood just outside the adjacent bathroom door. His gun was pointed down and it trembled. Why? Jason's every breath was labored. He swallowed in slow, arduous motion. Somehow his legs carried him toward the bathroom. What? He whispered back when he was a few feet away from Xander. I think she's in there. Just took a quick glance, but there's candles lit and an arm is hanging out of the tub. If she's bathing, I don't want to, you know, but if she's heard, I... Mom? Jason called. Silence. Sander tapped lightly on the door. JL? Still nothing. Jason needed to open the door and see what was going on, but his body was frozen. He could foresee absolutely no explanation for her silence that wouldn't end in life-altering agony. Sander pushed the door open. It took several moments for everything to register. While his mind processed the sight of his mother's limp body lying in her tub, Sander sprung into action. He ran to mom, saying her name over and over, a distorted echo in the chill of the room. Jason looked down at his feet, commanding them to move closer. They wouldn't obey. He looked back up to see Xander shaking his naked mother and frantically feeling around her neck. No, I can't, I can't, I can't. A world without... He swallowed the bile that had slowly begun to lurch up his throat. He watched his mom's beautiful head lifelessly bobbed up and down with the motion of Xander's gyrations. Distantly, he heard a sound, a voice perhaps. The language was foreign, the thick resonance not registering a bit of familiarity. 
he glanced to the candles that were lit on the vanity across the room. Sugar cookies. That was their scent. He'd bought those candles one day last spring. He remembered smelling them in the store and being instantly transported to his childhood. He and Mom used to make cookies all day every Christmas Eve. They would prepare a batch and throw them in the oven, and as their treats baked, they snuggled in the living room with their pajamas and watched Christmas movies. Her favorite had always been It's a Wonderful Life. His was Home Alone. Hours and dozens of batches of cookies would pass while they spent that perfect day together, laughing on the couch, reveling in the heavenly smells wafting from the kitchen. His holiday magic. He bought every single cookie-scented candle on the shelf that warm spring day. When he'd given Mom the gift, he'd watched as she sniffed one and closed her eyes in what he was sure was a similar flashback. She opened her eyes and smelt, smiled with love. Christmas. She'd said it like a prayer, and he'd nodded with a matching smile. He watched as the flames danced and was aware of the way his body swayed to their rhythm. This was one of those things in life he knew was conceivable, hell, inevitable, but it had always seemed so far off, so distantly foreign a concept he'd never allowed himself to entertain it for more than a dark, fleeting moment. It felt as though he was floating above his body, watching as every spark of light that had ever entered his soul was being snuffed out. One by one, they extinguished, and the person who was left was nothing more than an empty shell. Jason! Sanders' shout pulled him out of his hypnosis. Jason, can you hear me? He nodded. Xander's voice sounded again, but the words reverberated in the well of agony that had engulfed his being. One of the words, the one that must have been emphasized, he could almost make out, but could no longer, no longer grasp its meaning. What, what did you say? His voice was emptiness and sorrow. Jason forced his stare away from the flames. His gaze trailed down the vanity, tracing the lines of the white cabinets, the glow of sugar cookies glinting off their silver knobs. The tiled floor was textured with grays and blacks, weaving patterns through the room. He followed the designs as they inched closer to the bathtub, closer to her. His eyes paused their trek when they landed on a book that lay closed on the floor. He didn't have time to study it further, because at the far edge of his hazy peripheral view was a foot. Her foot. He gathered what little strength he had left, and in one rip-off-the-band-aid move, forced himself to look at her. Sander had taken her out of the bath, holding her in his arms on the floor. What? he repeated when his sight met their blurry forms. I said she's okay. She opened her eyes and said something just a moment ago, then passed back out. Pretty sure she's medicated, but she's alive. Jason closed his eyes and hung his head. Alive, alive, alive. He repeated the mantra to himself a hundred times. When it failed to penetrate the black screen that encircled his emotions, he wrote the word in his mind. Alive, 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 alive. He scrawled the words behind his eyelids until they morphed into ludicrous scribble. Frustrated and with everything to lose, he forced himself to stare at her. She lay with her back facing him. He scrutinized the curve of her spine, the creaminess of her skin, which contrasted with the rigidness of the deep it moved. Up, down, 
The motion of her breath punctured the haze of despair. She's okay, he croaked. She's going to be fine. Sanders' voice was low and assuring. Finally, Jason moved. He turned to the door, grabbing the robe that hung on a hook. He strode to them and placed it over her nakedness. Give her to me, he demanded of Xander. Xander nodded and lifted her into Jason's arms. He took care to ensure her entire body was covered before walking her to the bed. I'm going to give the house one more glance. You stay here and keep trying to wake her, okay? Uh-huh. Jason laid her down gently and covered her with a blanket. Mom? It was a broken whisper. Wake up, Mom. He shook her as softly as he could. When she didn't respond, he swept the hair away from her face. Mom, I need you to wake up. If you don't, we're going to have to take you to the hospital, and I know how much you hate them. Minutes later, Xander came back. I brought a cold towel. Let's sit her up and put it on her neck. Jason snatched the towel out of his hands. She doesn't take drugs. I found a pill bottle in the kitchen. Jason took the plastic amber bottle from Xander's grasp and turned it to read the label. Alprazolam was in bold print. Beneath, it said, generic for Xanax. It was prescribed to her. He thought back as far as he could. He'd never once seen her take anything stronger than Tylenol. The date on the bottle is today's date, Sanders said. Jason scrutinized the label. She'd been prescribed 30 pills. The bottle seemed full, maybe one or two pills missing. I've never known her to take these, Sander nodded. This may be her, have been her first bottle. When I dropped her off yesterday, she told me she had a doctor's appointment she had to get to. Figured it was her way of blowing me off the rest of the day, but maybe not. It looks like she only took a couple. That's not enough to overdose, is it? Xander shook his head. No, it just may be that she's sensitive to it, especially if she's never taken one. A couple pills at once may have been enough to knock her out like this. She stirred. Mom? Her eyes opened halfway and she looked around the room. Jason? He squeezed her hand. I'm here, Mom. She stared at their intertwined hands and mumbled something, but it was too slurred for Jason to make out. What? Jason asked. This time you're fought. She paused and her head bobbed from side to side. No, 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 no. Not that. Next time he gissed me, he kills. She closed her eyes once more and fell back to sleep. Jason sat there for hours, watching her breathe. Every thought that entered his mind was darker and more menacing than the last. Sander had taken residence on the chair in the corner of her room. He was as stoic as Jason throughout the night. When the sky began to lighten through her windows, Jason finally voiced the question that had run through his mind over the last few hours. Why were you at my house? What? Jason's voice creaked from lack of use. You knocked on my door for a reason. How do you even know where I live? I, I came to talk to you. About what? Jason asked in a hushed, deadly tone. Xander paused your father. Chapter 12. The shades were drawn throughout the house. 
Every light was off except for a lone lamp on the end table next to the couch. It was just past three o'clock in the afternoon, but the moment Jason had arrived back home this morning, light had been eradicated from his house. It was dark as night. Jason sat on the couch next to that lamp with a pen in hand, swaying to the beat of the tunes drifting from his stereo. Music had always been an integral part of Jason's life. The connection he made to it had nothing to do with instruments or tempo. He paid little attention to sound effects or harmonies. He had always been in it for the lyrics. Some of the most beautiful poetry of all time were disguised as songs. Most people belted out the music in a sing-along to a catchy tune, paying little attention to the actual words and what they meant. Jason was the opposite. He'd studied lyrics ever since they, he was old enough to read. The background noise was merely a melodic side effect inspired by a well-written verse. As a young boy, he would get frustrated when only a few lines of some of his favorite songs perfectly fit his current circumstance. He didn't know at what age he began writing his own remixes, but he kept a, he, but he kept a notebook and pen close for as long as he could remember. He'd snatch lyrics from each of his favorite songs and mesh them together into something he could connect with on a deeper level. Sometimes his own lines would get sprinkled in amongst the others. He'd stopped when he'd enter college, his ego whispering to him that it was time to grow up. Ever since he'd retrieved his notebook from the closet a few weeks ago, he'd written in it daily. Today, he couldn't focus on anyone else's words. There had likely been many songs written by his favorite bands that would set the tone for his current mood, but he found he couldn't connect with any of them. My Demons by Starset blasted through his speakers while he wrote his own lyrics in the still darkness of his living room. It didn't happen all at once. He paused the scrawl of his pen. There was so much truth in that line. His humanity had seeped out of his pores over a long, slow period of time. Now I sit here, searching for the remains, but there are none. None. He had one soft spot. One. Everything else was jagged ice, and the world could impale itself on it for all he cared. I should have known. Never quite right. Never exactly normal. Everyone saw it but you. Not that he blamed her. She only ever saw the good in him. But then what loving mother sees demons when they look at their child? I saw you there. Jason squeezed his eyes shut. Images of the bathroom assaulting him. Lifeless, empty, skin so bare. And in the light of flickered flame, I surrendered my soul to the darkness so you could live again. She'd never had to take anxiety and medicine before. Never lost her shit before. Justice. He'd fucking get it. I hear them calling. They've been buried deep inside. The voices, the impulses escaped. Now someone must pay. Jason reached over to the end table after setting down his pen. He clasped the half-empty bottle of whiskey in his hand. Pouring himself another hefty glass, he held it to his lips, took a sniff, then downed it all in one long, burning gulp. The taste had gotten easier to bear as the day had progressed. He'd paid Marcus to purchase the bottle for him months ago, but hadn't cracked it open until this morning. 
Liquor was not something he'd imbibed in many times. After the first few sips, he decided Higgins' study group and the rest of his classes today would have to carry on without him. He hadn't slept all night because he'd been standing sentry at Mom's side. She'd slept peacefully, and it had occurred to Jason that perhaps he should take a few of those pills himself. The thing is, he was no longer tired. Exhaustion had left him the moment he'd seen her lying in that tub. He wasn't sure what force was driving him now, but he was thankful for the freedom from fatigue. There were so many things he needed to do people he needed to find. The ring of the doorbell sounded distant. He stumbled to the window, almost falling before he could reach the curtain. The sun's optimism caused him to squint, and it took a few moments for him to see who'd knocked. Perfect. Opening the door with a Cheshire smile, he said, I've been thinking about you. Hey, Jason. Emily was beautiful today. Her golden hair curled out at the ends, framing her perfect face. Come on in. Jason stepped aside, allowing the sunlight to flood his foyer, creating a false sense of security within the darkness. He allowed her to take five firm steps into the living room before he closed and locked the door. She fumbled around in the dark. He smiled. It was comical, almost, this haughty, self-assured girl caught off guard. He, she gravitated toward the lamp. Just before she came within arm's length of his notebook and his new favorite drink, Jason flicked on the overhead light. She stood motionless, her back a straight rod while she stared at the whiskey bottle. He sauntered her way and snatched the notebook off the coffee table before she could get her pretty little hands on it. You weren't in study group today. Nope. She turned to him, admonishment in her eyes. Are you drunk? He thought about that for a moment. He didn't necessarily feel drunk. It was more like he was numb, like he couldn't give a shit about anything if he wanted to. It would make for an interesting evening with her, no doubt. Not really. Well, can you not drink anymore? I'd like to accomplish a lot tonight. He leaned into her, only breaths away. He could make out all the little pores on her nose and cheeks. Her breathing escalated with his proximity. Jason paused, met her stare, and grinned. He grabbed the whiskey bottle on the table behind her, allowing his arm to brush her shoulder as he moved back into his own space. I'll go put it up in the cabinet. Won't you have a seat? When he returned, she was jotting something down in her pink notebook. He sat on the love seat across from her. Okay. So since I'm like the only one sober, I'm going to play the therapist first. So that's why she was here. He vaguely remembered agreeing to work on the project together when he'd gone to the coffee shop to apologize for yelling at her. He thought she'd come to hang out with him tonight. Queens don't fraternize with peasants. Creep by Radiohead sounded through the speakers. Jason laughed so hard, tears formed in his eyes. Emily watched him in silent scrutiny, her arms and legs crossed. You're so fucking special. What? You think I can't do this? That I won't make a good therapist? She said, her plump, pouty lips pursed. He composed himself. No, it's not that. It was the song. 
What's funny about it? Never mind. He turned off the stereo. She smiled as she picked her pen back up. You ready now? Shoot, he said. The word, the word brought back the memory of Xander's gun trembling at his side before they'd entered Mom's bathroom. Jason needed to buy himself a gun. It would come in handy for all the things he planned to do. He felt his jeans. The switchblade was still in his pocket. Good. Emily chewed on the end of her pen as she stared at her notebook. She cleared her throat and fiddled with the pendant on her necklace. I'd like to pick up where Professor Higgins left off the other day when you were in the hot seat. Her eyes were downcast, her voice unsure. If Jason were honest, so much had transpired since that day, he didn't even remember where they'd left off. Where's that? You were talking about your father? She was still speaking to her notebook. Hell no. She snapped her head up. Why? Because that's none of your business or anyone else's. I agreed to do this project with you on one condition, Emily. Do you remember what that was? She rolled her eyes. Yeah, you get to say no to any question you want. He nodded. Next question. She set her pen and notebook on the coffee table between them and leaned forward. Jason, I know this class is just a prereq for you. None of this crap is important to you. I get it. She clasped her hands together in front of her. But to me, this class is everything. I'm majoring in psychology. I'll have Higgins more than once over the next several years. And even though he's new to our school, he has like a lot of influence on who gets accepted into the graduate program. I need to impress him, Jason. You may not realize it, but you interest him. You interest a lot of people. It's like nobody can get close to you. So they have to watch you do all these contradicting things from the sidelines and wonder what it is that makes you tick. Higgins wants to understand you. I want to understand you. Can you just, can you at least answer them for me just between the two of us? If you don't want it included in the final presentation, I'll totally take it out. Jason cracked his knuckles. Next question. Emily's shoulders deflated. She picked up her things from the table and leaned back into the couch. Fine. As she flipped through the older pages in her notebook, Jason tried to shake off the guilt he felt. She'd asked for help, and he'd shut her down. But he wasn't going there. Not today, and not with her. What does the word control mean to you? She asked. What, you want me to define the word for you? She sucked her lips in between her teeth. No, I want you to tell me what it means to you. Is it something you feel is crucial to your life? Uh, I think being in control of your life is important to everyone, isn't it? Maybe. But why is it important to you? He paused, trying to decide how much to share. I guess because it combats chaos, and I fucking hate chaos. When I walk into an unknown situation or a messy room, something stirs inside me. It's like this gusty wind is swirling right below my lungs and I can barely breathe until I'm back in control, until everything is right again. Does that make sense? 
Yes, it does. She scribbled something on her pad. So how do you gain back control? His mouth was dry. Where was the whiskey? Uh, it just depends on the situation. If it's a mess we're talking about, I just clean it up. If it's a shady situation, I remove myself from it. What about relationships? Relationships? Yeah. Do you feel the need to be the one that's in control in your romantic relationships? She clicked the end of her pen over and over, a staccato beat setting the rhythm for his dancing nerves. His eyes traced the lines on the coffee table. There are no romantic relationships. Well, you know, in the past, did you? None in the past either. He searched her face for a reaction. She looked curious, but he saw no judgment there. Why not? He barked out an unamused laugh. Because love is bullshit. What? Why do you think that? I didn't always. For a long time, I had this vision in my head of what love was supposed to look like, and I'd never felt anything close to it for anyone, so I just didn't bother with the possibility of something mediocre. Her pen grew silent. She leaned in closer. And now? Well, now I don't think true love between a man and a woman exists. Humans are too selfish to love someone else unconditionally. There will always be a line that can be crossed. That line is where the love stops. So what is that? Nothing but infatuation, inconvenience. Someone decided to dress up as this grand, all-encompassing thing they call love. Well, what about the love between a parent and a child? She asked, her hands clasped atop her notebook. Jason shrugged. Oh, that can be different. I think unconditional love is possible there, but it requires trust. And the idea of real trust is almost as foolish as true love. Her eyes widen. Okay, well, do you feel the need to be in control? She paused and her cheeks reddened. In, uh, in the bedroom? What? She picked at her nails, her gaze fixated on the notebook. During sex, do you feel the need to dominate, to control everything that happens? Jason rubbed his face, then ran his hands through his hair. He needed another drink. Five. <clears throat> Never done that either. Her eyes shot to his. Do you mean dominance or sex in general? He stood. Fuck courtesy. I need whiskey. When he returned from the kitchen with a full glass, Emily was still and silent, waiting. In general. Oh, her brow furrowed. Is it a religious thing? Jason guffawed. No, he said, taking a hefty sip of whiskey. I don't find the thought of meaningless sex appealing. Gulp. And honestly, who would want to fuck a freak like me? His gaze bore into her, daring. She pursed her perfect little lips, then opened her mouth as if to say something, but closed it before any sound came out. She searched the text of her notebook. Her eyes seemed to frown at him when she looked back up. Why do you call yourself a freak? He chuckled. She'd make a good therapist one day. I don't. I was just using the word to reference how I'm viewed by others. It's okay, Emily. It doesn't bother me anymore. 
I wear my outcast the way you wear your makeup all the time and out there for everyone to see. The whiskey sat warm in his belly. Getting back on track with the control topic, you haven't had intercourse with anybody, but you're a man well past puberty. Do you have like sexual fantasies that are like dominant and controlling or, you know, like maybe even painful in nature? Jesus Christ, what does that have to do with anything? Her head tilted to the side. Sexual proclivities say a lot about a person, Jason. Two minutes ago, he'd have put money against her knowing the word proclivity and it's like, who the hell was this girl? And who did she think she was asking this ridiculous shit? Well, sweetheart, I don't have them because I'm a virgin, so it's nothing for me, which is probably saying something profound about me. Nothing. Fucking nobody. She leaned back into the couch and crossed her arms. I didn't say that. You didn't have to, he snapped. What do you mean? Jason slammed his glass onto the table. You said it yourself. You're here because you need to do well in psychology, because you want to impress our professor. How do you make an impression on a hard-ass teacher? Well, you do the impossible. You psychoanalyze the outsider. You use your cute little outfits and your sexy fucking hair to lure him in so that you can try to get in his head. You assure him that you're interested in him as a person, but you know what? It's all fucking fake. I see right through your bullshit. And no amount of hair primping or lip pouting was going to change his mind. God, you're so deluded. I am not manipulating you. Her cheeks speckled with red. You want to know why you don't have any friends? It's not because you talk a certain way or dress a certain way. It's because you're an asshole who won't allow anyone to get near you. Blah, 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 bullshit. Her mouth opened wide in shock while her hands flexed in her lap. You know what? Go screw yourself, Jason. His smile was as sinister as his tone when he said, I wouldn't know him. You want to show me? Her mouth opened wide in shock while her hands flexed in her lap. You know what? Go screw yourself, Jason. His smile was as sinister as his tone when he said, I wouldn't know how, Em. You want to show me? She snatched her shit off the coffee table as she stood up. No, jerks don't turn me on. When Emily turned to leave, Jason rushed to the door, blocking it with his body. We aren't done with the project, he said, his voice low. I'm done. I'm not going to sit here and be insulted by you for trying to better myself, for striving to succeed. I have been completely honest with you, and you've accused me of having ulterior motives more than once. I'm not going to accept your lame apologies for your nasty behavior anymore. I'm done. The tears in her eyes almost convinced him. Almost. So, I don't get a chance to ask you questions? That seems a bit unfair to me. You might find you get a little agitated when someone is digging around in your mind, too. She shook her head. No, you've lost that privilege. Do the project with someone else. I'm leaving. She stepped forward, but he remained still. Move. He crossed his arms. What if I'm not done? Her cheeks were bright red against her alabaster skin.
She took out her phone and hit a few buttons. It's not up to you. Get out of my way. It was odd, the feeling of both despising and admiring someone. He liked the way she talked to him, liked that she wasn't afraid of him. Someone calling him out on his shit was not something any girl had ever done. He even liked the way her skin flushed when she was angry. He moved to the side and took a few steps back. Goodbye, Emily. See you soon. She glared at him as she opened the door. He heard her phone ring. Yeah, hey, Jacob. Nothing. I didn't mean to call your number. Yeah, I'm good. Her voice trailed off as she walked down the sidewalk to the driveway. He shut the door when she reached her car. One by one, he stripped off pieces of clothing on his way to the kitchen. The drawer was the last one on the right. He slid it open and gazed down to the empty space, the one where mom's extra set of keys used to sit, missing. It had been the first thing he checked when he got home this morning. He slammed the drawer shut and continued his strip dance all the way to his room. One day, he was going to have to learn how to be a decent human being, but not today. Today, he was going to sleep. Tomorrow, he was going to fall further away from his already diminishing humanity. He felt his genes. Switchblade. Check. Oh, hello, Jason. Can you guys tell why he's one of my favorite characters to write? Like, I mean, I've written another book that's been published, Dark Dead Stars. I am in the middle of writing two other books. So I've got lots of characters and I've written short stories and such. And I've got to say that Jason is my favorite character to write. I don't know if it's because he's so dark and twisted. I don't know. But he's fucking awesome. I'm not saying his character is or the things he does is, but I enjoy getting in his head. Okay. So, um, he's just so like, he's just so tragically cynical, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. That probably says something about me. I, he probably is me and I'm just that fucked up too. <laughs> okay. So I just have a couple questions, uh, for you guys today about what we read um, so question number one, do you think he's paranoid, Jason, or do you think he's correct in at least some of his suspicions? Um, and question two, does he have a healthy relationship with JL? Um, I don't have a third question. It was just the two. So I, just something to think about. Um, I'm not saying that he does or does not have a healthy relationship with JL. Um, but once again, kind of talking about the nature versus nurture thing, um, who he is, how much is that affected by his relationship with his mother, who we know is um, the person that he's been the closest to his entire life. I mean, pretty much the only person he's ever been close to. So just a couple things to think about. Um Make sure you guys subscribe to this podcast because I do put episodes out at random. I'm averaging two episodes a week now, so it looks like that's probably where I'll end up um, two episodes a week. So um, 
they're not going to be on any specific days. So if you subscribe, then it'll show up, it'll pop up on your whatever platform you listen to, Spotify or Apple podcast or whatever. Um, and you'll see when I have a new episode and you can just listen to them whenever you want. Um, and I will tell you that my next episode is going to be on Monday and that'll be chapters 13 and 14. Um, so just a little teaser of what that's about. Uh, what happens after JL recovers from the drugs that, that made her very groggy and sleepy and made her pass out. Um, and this teaser, that's probably not going to make sense unless you've read the book. Um, but it's what's in the box. That's what's coming up next. Uh, thanks for listening guys. If you're enjoying it, I really hope that you'll consider, um, giving it a rating on whatever platform you're listening to. It definitely helps. Um, and I helps me know if I'm doing a good job or not. Um, again, you can email me any comments or questions at villainsandmonsters at gmail.com. Bye.